Don't watch this week, Devil of Detail. I'm Rob Parkinson, and I'm here talking all things. So for a Devil's joining the show this week, as ever, we've got Paul Parkin. How's your week been, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Evening, evening, Rob. Yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been pretty, pretty good so far. Obviously, it wasn't too good last week. Missed the, uh, missed the friendly, unfortunately. But yeah, back on fighting form this week, and excited. All kicks off again. It feels like it's been a long break. This one, a really long break. But yeah, no, just, just delighted to be back. Yeah, I've had me I had my diabetic eye test this week. You know what that's all about. Sat in the chair, put me drops in the put his drops in my eyes, and I was a bit like stung and I couldn't really see, but they weren't as bad as they normally are. So I asked him, I said, Is this a different form though? Because they normally sting more than, than that. And he went, No, it's fine. So I sat outside for whatever two minutes, came back in, did the biz, said, Right, you can go now. So I came out and I walked out the front door of the hospital and it was like I'd come out of a cave. Uh, that lived in for like 500 years it was just too bright and i was like sort of trying to feel my way out of uh of this front door don't know what the people outside thought as i staggered out but yeah good times i know i know that feeling all too well yeah it's not nice although i must admit i think there's something wrong with me i get i get a strange pleasure out of that sting so <laughs> something something badly wrong with me as if anybody needed to know but yeah yeah it's not it's not the best experience is it but just a warning for everybody get it done get it checked we've all got our kinks haven't we parky i suppose (laughs) (laughs) we're also joined we've got a special guest on the show uh today Uh, it's rugby league broadcasting legend from bbc radio manchester and also vice president of the rfl it's trevor hunt welcome to the show trevor looking forward to talking all things salford and rugby league I am indeed, yeah. And interestingly enough, I had my eyes done not too, too long ago. And you're dead right. It doesn't half sting, doesn't it? It makes your eyes water. And then when you come out, you're blinded by yeah. everything that's around you. Yeah. So, like I say, so important though, obviously everyone, everyone gets them checked out because it can be really bad if you don't, Parker. Yeah, well, I spent probably three years ignoring it. And I couldn't. Rem- I don't think I watched any Salford game in that period. I was there, but I don't remember actually seeing anything. Standing in that south stand, hence why I moved. Yeah, get it, get it done because you don't want to miss this. It's, uh, it's it's too valuable. But yeah, no, it was, it's been a it, it was a tough time that with my eyes, and I'm glad I'm kind of coming through the other side now. But yeah, definitely, like Rob said, just get it checked, get them done. Yeah, so great. We've got we've got Trevor on the, on the show. We'll ask you a few questions about about your career in the rugby league media. Trevor, how did you do you get into the rugby league media? Well, uh, two ways really. Uh, journalist-wise, uh, writing about the game. I broke my leg playing for Lee Miners way back in 1978, I think it was, 75, not 75. And nobody was writing match reports at the time. So I took it off uh, a legend at the club, Rob Dowling, because he was playing. And I started writing the match reports. And then I started writing on Lee. And I covered, journalistically, Lee for 35 years. With regards to the the radio aspect of it, there was a guy called Ray Dennett who used to present the rugby league on a Sunday afternoons. He was the anchor man, and I knew Ray well. He'd been a stalwart at the amateur game in Warrington. He'd been on the 1978 tour to Papua New Guinea, and as a consequence, when he passed away, I went to his funeral. And while I was at the funeral, the people there, Ian Frame, who was in charge of the BBC sports team on the Manchester at the time. He said, what are we going to do at the weekend? And we've got Warrington versus Dewsbury in the Challenge Cup. This is 1986. What are we going to do? And I said, well, what do you need to do? Because I'll give it a go if you want. 
and I had been interviewed many times talking about rugby league. I said, I'll give it a go. So they said, there's a telephone behind the boardroom desk. Get that, plug in, ring this number, and off you go. So I did that. I spoke to Tony Barrett about the team, and I spoke to the Dewsbury coach, I can't remember who it was at the time, and Les Boyd scored a hat-trick of tries, and Warrington won, and I must have done okay because I've done it ever since, and that's how I got into radio, so there you go. How's it changed uh, since it started? Well, obviously lots of technology, uh, and obviously covering the sport as well, it, it must be a different uh, way of doing it now than it was. Well, of course, you used to have copy takers if you were doing match reports at the time, that was if you are doing for a, a national or something like that, or... You went and you wrote the stuff out. I used to do loads of stuff for the Rugby League. I used to write it all up and then drop it off on a Sunday night, on a Sunday afternoon for them to print it. And I think and Rugby League came out on a, Thursday, on a Monday or a Thursday, Thursday, I think. And then I'd drop it all off in St. Helens, all the copy, all handwritten at the time. Then I, I bought a typewriter. And then... Obviously, then we've got fax machines came. Look, I'm ancient when it comes to this. <laughs> then they got fax machines. And then from fax machines, we had uh, computers or typewriters that sent it straight to another typewriter somewhere. And, of course, nowadays, well, it's pretty much, there's not, there's very, very few national journalists who get paid for doing this full time. And, of course, when it comes to everything else, there's guys like you with superb podcasts and there's people who are online and everything. It's insatiable, the internet. At least when I was writing, basically I had deadlines. Once I did a deadline, I knew that that was done and I could relax them for a couple of days till the next deadline. But, of course, nowadays, you write a story, they want the follow-up because somebody's read it and they go, oh, well, what happens next? And I, I just feel sorry for them. It's like a 24-hour job, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So it's changed immensely like that. But just one of the things, I was in, lucky enough to be in Tonga in 1990 with the Bala teams. And over in Tonga, they'd just about got faxes. But the hotels we stayed in, they'd got computers, uh, not computers, what they call typewriters. And there's a, instead of writing my stuff out by hand and then sending it back home, where my, mo- my uh, wife waited up for it and, trans- and rewrote it for all the papers. So I'd write 20 paragraphs, number them, and say... For such a paper, it's these paragraphs, all different intros, and for such a paper, it's these paragraphs. You know, I was doing it for about 10 or 12 papers. So she put them all together when they got faxed to her, had a fax machine by them. But everywhere I went, they had a typewriter. So I fixed the typewriter on one night, then I could do all my stuff. And when I went back the second night, there was another typewriter, a different one that was broken. And I reckon I fixed every typewriter <laughs> in the Cook Islands Tonga and Samoa at any hotel for the complete duration of the five-week tour. And then I had to wait at the places so as I could actually send back the uh, faxes. So Cook Islands, I was sending the stuff back to my missus and I'm talking her down the phone. I'm saying, right, have you got everything? It's all been faxed. And she said, I've got this, that and the other. And then seeing it was being paid for by cable and wireless, I'd have a bit of a chat and tell them. Anyway, after I'd been away about a week or so she's like i'm getting fed up here i've got three young kids like six two uh, six two and one or whatever they were at the time and she says like i'm fed up with all this you get back home here i said i have another four weeks to do love. just be all right like you do and of course i end the call and as i walk out 
all the women in Cook Islands, Cable and Wireless, about six or seven of them, which there was only usually one or two, six or seven, all in, they went, Eileen not happy, Eileen not happy. <laughs> They'd all been listening into the entire conversation. So just a couple of stories from that. Yeah. Doing your bit for the for the game and doing your bit for 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 the for the country as well, Trev. That, that's great. Obviously, you've covered lots of, of, of different stories in rugby league. Some of the great moments. What was do you think was the greatest moment that you covered in your career? Well, I mean, it's like everything, isn't it? For if you're talking about games, I'm a Lee lad, and I used to follow Lee with my dad when I was younger. So to do my 25th Cup final commentary when wow. Lee Leopards win the Challenge Cup for the first time since 71, when I was actually there as a, a younger bloke. That was phenomenal for me. But what have I done in my time? Well, I'm looking back at it and the World Cup games, of course, and, and the stuff I've done. Again, on the Cook Islands, I was doing commentary for Cook Islands TV, and I've done commentary in South Africa as well. But in, in the Cook Islands, I was doing the English commentary, and I had a guy in with me who's called, funny enough, called Vic Feather. And he used to speak, he was a cricket commentator, really. So he did it at the pace of cricket. No rugby league isn't the pace of cricket. It wasn't a nice ball out to the right, taken in. Oh, a nice death movement. That, it's not it. And of course, if I got in, I was a bit more lively. But the summariser, he spoke in like a Cook Island dialect or Mara, whatever it was. I couldn't understand the word he said. And he like came in and rattled off along it. So there's three of us, completely contrasting styles. And just to add to it, there was a hornet's nest underneath the commentary position, wow. all around our legs, where they were going. So memorable times. Well, you're looking at games. Salford, obviously, when Salford in the Chance Cup final, what a tragedy there was nobody there. I was one of 10 press people allowed in to watch that game. And the try from Reese Williams, they'd be showing that forever had there been a packed audience for it. So it's so, so sad for that. But you can go back to the first grand final, the you know, Challenge mm-hmm. Cup finals. The first one was Wigan when they got beat by Sheffield. And I had actually tipped Sheffield and people saying, oh, you, you, you're wrong here. But they had a great side. So uh, look, there's been, there's been quite a few, I, I would say, but I enjoyed them all. Yeah, I've been at Rochdale this last two weekends and I just love that. Rochdale against Middle Americans. What a game that was at the weekend. Yeah, you also uh, covered uh, Salford's trip to Hawkinson Rovers uh, in the million pound game, the million pound miracle that we call it. Uh, what a moment that was uh, f- for the club. And uh, do you watch your memory of that game? Well, I just thought it was an incredible occasion. The pressure on everybody was immense. And the one thing you do when you're covering things for radio or clubs, I mean, we cover. We used to cover Witness and St. Helens, and I was lucky enough to do St. Helens in the glory years. But the one thing you do when you're covering a side like Salford through the years, since 1986, what, 39 seasons, really. I'm on my 39th season. You do, you become a fan, really. I'm a lead, lead lad, like I said. Wigan, I did the last game at Central Park, and the fact is, there was a Wigan lad. There were times when you'd actually wish the place had burnt down as a Lee lad, sorry. But I did the last game and it's great. So my point is that when following Salford over all the years, the ups and downs, Carl Harrison as coach, Andy Gregory as coach, uh, John Pendlebury, uh, and so many, many, many others that I can remember, Steve McCollum, the list is endless. You actually just want, you're a fan for that day. We've got to be slightly in the middle, but we also can be with them. And so, 
when it gets down to that game and everything's hanging in and there were two, was it 10 points down with about two minutes left? Yeah. And the ball, and you thought it's over and done with, they're going to be relegated again. And then, of course, down the one side and they're going for the try. And then you're thinking, can they do it? And then the other side, they're going for the try. And then it's all square. Amazing. And then, well, it was 60 seconds or so of the second half, Gazel Brown, you think, well, he's going to have to run this because it's too far out for a drop goal. And he boots it over. Well, the emotions are just so spectacular in you as a, as a commentator because you, you live in the dream. You, well, you think, yeah, it's the next best thing to blame because you're in the, in the zone. And then they do it. And then, fabulous. The fans were ecstatic. I felt sorry for OKR when it all calmed down. But the third thing was that I remember about that is that when I went in the dressing rooms to do the interviews with the various players, they weren't really elated. They weren't like they are when you've won a Challenge Cup and you've gone in into the changing rooms where they're ecstatic about what they've done. The, the relief was palpable. And the way that they felt for the people in the other dressing room was amazing, really. They were, there were none, no, nobody saying, oh, we've done it, we've cracked it, and all punching the air. It was like, we've got out of jail, and the guys next door haven't. And it, it was just an amazing, humbling experience, and it made you realise that just how strong the fraternity all yeah. players are in rugby league, not just from their club. They all suffer. Kick one, they all suffer. But they all want to win, but they have a compassion for the defeat. Yeah, obviously... Parker, a commentator's job is, is to tell the story of what's going on. Uh, and I think, obviously, Trevor's up there with the best, isn't he? Oh, listen, undoubtedly, I, I don't generally sort of hold back what I think of people and situations and that kind of thing. Uh, and I often, mainly at, at football these days, I, I despair at some of the nonsense that gets talked about. The, the lack of relevance to the actual game or, or anything. They go off on a, a tangent about what they ate for tea last night or something like that and it drives me mad I think just tell me what's happening on that what you think what's happening on that pitch and more so on the radio you paint pictures that's exactly what 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 has to be done I have to be able to see even though I'm not there what's going on a perfect example recently is uh, I've been uh, I've listened to quite a bit of boxing on the radio and the way these guys do it it's like you're watching it you feel it you, you've got the emotion and that's that takes some doing because anybody could talk about a game during a game that you get the mouths around you doing it half the time and, and they haven't got a clue what's going on. So to do it well and for, for that, that, I mean, that period of time just shows you. If you're not very good at your job, you don't keep it for that long, let's be honest. And I think <laughs> I think what, what Trev does and, and Jack, I mean, the pair, the pair of them together have been, have been an absolute gift to rugby league. I think, especially in the, in the northwest in Lancashire, obviously. I listen to the phone-ins and all that kind of thing, and it's their opinions are always they're always there. They're not swayed. You're not swayed by what other people think or what the nice answer would be or whatever. I mean, you, you both sort of say things about Salford that have been negative, not to a caller or something like that, not to be controversial like certain commentators do, but just to 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 put your point across, and that's that's what we want. That's what people want to hear. That's why we have commentary. Otherwise. We could just watch in silence if we, if we needed to. We, we can see when it's on the telly what's going on. But you get certain personalities who come out and want to be a name. They want to make something of something that's not there. They just want to be a little bit different. And that's not... It, 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 with, with, with Trev and, and Jack, it, it's just genuine. It's what, it's what people want to hear. 
And it's it's that it's rugby league men talking about rugby league and women. I must add that's what we that's that's what you need. You need the honesty. And I, I think everybody in the northwest knows knows Trevor knows his voice. I mean, although he, 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 he's Mark, you're embarrassing me here. That check's <laughs> in the post. Don't worry about it. It's very kind of you. I'll get the money off Jack as well. So, you know, thanks, right. thanks for your kind words. <laughs> I mean, what what, what JMR, Great Manchester, BBC Manchester has done over the years for rugby league is when, when everybody seemed to sort of turn away for a period as well, I think they kept it up and they kept us in there and certainly solved and promoted what, who we are. Because we're... At times we've been forgettable. Let's not even for ourselves being there, we've been forgettable. But it kept us in the press. And then everybody else, I mean, like you said, about going to Rochdale this week. I listened to it at the weekend again. It, it was brilliant. Not my team. Nothing, absolutely nothing against Rochdale. I wish them all the very best. But two teams that meant nothing to me. But I listened to it because it was engaging. It was, it was rugby league and it was being taught to me. Whereas I've often, sadly watching Sky and others, I've turned the sound off because these people have got to me. Um, well, so that's a massive difference. We all have different styles and there's different people out there and it's all subjective, isn't it? You know, there'll, there'll be just as many people uh, don't like listening to myself and Jack as, as like, like listening. But we've been together um, since 1996 when Super League started. That's when we got paired together. We were, I'd suggested to Andy Buckley at the time that because Super League was coming out, we should have a Thursday programme to highlight the games because we were covering the games. So they said, well, that's great. Jack was seasoned in the studio. I wasn't. So they said, we'll put you two together, and we've been together ever since. And I know we get called like the Waldorf and Statler, whatever <laughs> it is, of the BBC. I prefer the Anton Deck, personally. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Luke, we don't always agree. In fact, we sometimes really agree, but it's all in the interest of, we have a good banter. We get on well, and that's the main thing. Yeah, much love for you on this podcast, Trev. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> You've been announced as the Vice President of the RFL. Talk us through that role. How did that come about? Well, it's quite simple, really. I've been around longer than anybody else. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's basically it, really. The fact of the matter is that I'm chairman of the National Conference League, which is close to my heart and has been ever since my days when I was at Lee Miners. And that was set up in 1986. And I've been chairman, I think, since 2006 and vice chairman for about 10 years before that and was on the committee. So part of the duties you get, you sit on the Rugby League Council. The Conference League has got a place on there. Baller have a place on there. Students have a place on there. And, of course, Salford uh, with Fitzy and Senel and everybody else. They all sit around the table. And those who've been the longest, served the longest, kind of get the honour of being the next vice president. He used to be president mm. uh, when Bev Risman was doing and the others. But about six years ago, they decided that they'd get a figurehead as the president. And I think they went with Terry Adam Adams. Is it Terry Adams, wasn't it? Anyway, the footballer. And, of course, we've had various others, Kate Boyer, Claire Balding. And, of course, last this year, it's uh, Lindsay Hoyle, the speaker. Oh, Sir Lindsay Hoyle, the speaker. And, of course, they bring a lot of kudos to rugby league and they, their influences in areas that just an ordinary president wouldn't have. So the next best thing for those who've had long serving is vice president, and that's what I've ended up with. I've got a chain I'm supposed to wear when I attend games as an official function. <laughs> I've not worn it yet because I only got it about a week ago, and they tell me 
the previous incumbent, Sue Taylor, who's from Barla, she told me that the big problem is that when you're having your soup, the gong bit at the end drops into it. So you've got to be really careful. And you might, if you spot me in my dinner suit, you'll know that there's probably soup all over the bottom half of it off the gong. So don't don't look too close. But that's it. And what is your role? Well, you represent the RFL at various places, presenting trophies. I've been asked to go and present at the British University and Colleges finals. And basically anything Sir Lindsay can't do. So that's pretty much everything apart from the cup final and the grand final, I think. But, you know, it's that type of thing. It's, it's an honour. Uh, it's a proud moment, or it was for my family. They were really delighted. And as far as I'm concerned, well, I'd rather be doing the commentary than up in the in the uh, eye-fluting boxes. But, you know, I'll get on with anybody if you give them a chance. Brilliant stuff, Tres. Great to have you on, on the show. So what we'll do now, we'll see what's happening in the world of Soul Fred Devils. So we'll start with the big news, Parker. The stadium deal edges ever closer as the council buy the other 50% of the stadium. The deal is close. Yes, yes, you can smell it at last. It's been a been a long road. We're not we're not quite there yet, are we? I think there's still a few uh few little details to be ironed out, but what a massive step. Basically, once it's signed, it doesn't secure the club, I suppose, but it, it gives us an anchor now for us to to, to build from. And hopefully frees up those revenue streams that we've we've lacked since we left the Willows. That we've not not been able to get anything out of that stadium. Not not a thing. And it's been you know you're paying you're paying out and getting nothing back. I'm not saying it's been a bad thing, but it's it's, it's not really worked out the way anybody expected. So this is this is unbelievable news. And I can only congratulate firstly the the, the mayor, Mr. Dennett, who's who's been a massive supporter of the club for the last certainly for the last twelve months. Uh, I know he puts his money in. He put his he, he bought shares and uh, he uh, he's got a season ticket and everything else. So he's obviously clearly on our side, which is great to have somebody of, of of his influence with us. I know obviously Andy Burnham has had a had a bit of a say previously as well, which is always good. And then the, the likes of, of Paul King, who who have been through this, suffered day in day out, wondering what was it going to happen if it doesn't happen. What happens to the club? We we. Dead in the water. I think that was that was it. IMG would have made the suggestion that we're not fit for Super League, and who knows? This time next year we might not have been there. But now this gives us a, a footing and somewhere to, to to go from. We've got to now. We've got to embrace it. I'll be honest. I was one of those that that hasn't embraced the stadium at all. I've never felt comfortable there. It's it's not. Oh, it's, it's only because you left the Willows that kind of thing. It, it's more. I I go to other grounds other newer grounds and get a better feeling. Lee being uh, one of them. I mean, we went to Lee last year. I mean, the atmosphere created and, and everything about the place. It felt like Lee's home. And that's that's different. You get that when you go to Saints and Warrington and, and certainly other other newer grounds. And we've, we've never had that, I don't think. Only once or twice have I heard the place really rock. And hopefully now we can embrace it. We can turn it into our own. We can... We can decorate if you like. We're not renting. This is our home now, and I hope that that, along with all the revenue that can come from it, from the food and beverage, from hopefully ticket sales and everything else that goes with it, can can turn us into the club that we want to be. That we want to be self-sustaining. We don't. We haven't got a sugar daddy, and hopefully we won't need one because clearly nobody was coming forward. So that was a different matter. But and that that's 
that's the way forward. I think a lot of clubs will find that in the next five, ten years that these people who, who once invested, like when we had John Wilkinson, people like that, they're not there now. It's not the same. There's no, it's, it's not the same thing. And I think when the likes of maybe Sam Moran at Warrington, Ken David, Huddersfield, people like that pull away, I think you'll find these clubs will, will hit the buffers a little bit. And I think this is the way we're community owned. We've got our own stadium. And hopefully now we can move forward and, and, and blossom. No, it's all right. I've just got to say, Pat, if you look at what you had before, though, before this announcement, if you're a big money person, mm. are you going to really come in and say, yeah, I'll, I'll take this over when there's a possibility mm. that you won't have a stadium and you won't be in Super League in the too distant future while all this is hanging in? Because you'd have, they'd have done the due diligence, wouldn't they? Yeah. And hopefully now, I mean, they've already signed the new signing, which I know mm. you're going to talk about already. And you wonder how much of that has come on the back of this because it's released funds that presumably they had set aside somewhere else. So I think that from Solver's perspective, I know you say you like the Willows, but the Willows have had its day, sadly, just like Hilton Park had had its day, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the, the people have just got to embrace it. And mm. yourself, the fact feeling more positive has got to be great for the club. And it's got to be great if more people come along you're you're a diehard there's no doubt about it i can see in the background that you got the willows there the lovely mural picture of it but the fact of the matter is that was of an age and we've now got to move on haven't we so i'm i'm hoping salford if you look at everything they had on the um, field of play with the grand final and the challenge cup and challenging for top six top four as they have done over the last five years four or five years that fan base of yours is, is growing Mm. only slightly but if they could just generate another season or so then youngsters are going to start bringing their kids and hopefully you'll you'll take it forward yeah i think the key part now is obviously in theory it's been it's been accepted the crossing the t's the dot in the i's that's the most important part for me uh, now Parker, because obviously the previous deal we had with the stadium we come out the other end with not a great deal paul dennett talks about the infrastructure around the ground and how he's going to turn it into a, a location to go to. It all sounds really good, but I'm just hoping that, obviously, the club and the council have the right plan in place to take the club forward. Yeah, I think there's a whole a whole thing about this, isn't it, about sport in Salford and certainly rugby league. They've got a, a plan now, a strategy going forward that, that I think I think the plan was, from what I heard from the Mayor, was that every school in Salford is going to hopefully have a rugby league team, which... I remember going back to when I was at school, there was about five schools played it. That's a massive step in itself. But there's a strategy for the city, not just for the rugby club. We're not just a rugby club now. It's, it, it means more to the community. And I, I think I, I, you're probably right. If they can turn it into a, a base for other things as well, to get people down there, to get people to see what, what, what the facility is. And that's been, a, that's been a tough thing, getting people to the ground. That's always been an issue. But that's separate now. And hopefully... We can look at a way of, of doing that. Now, if it is council-owned, it probably opens up more more chances for transport and that kind of thing. I just feel it's, it's a shame it wasn't six months earlier. Uh, we, we weren't decimated by these players having to leave or whatever to, to help us survive. I mean, that's that's the only reason we don't have Brody Croft and, and Andy Ackers, realistically, is that the need for, for money. And if this had come six months earlier... Who knows, we may still have those players. You build, again, another season, that, like like we've just said, that another building of, of, of bringing bodies in, new fans. And I, I just hope this year doesn't kill that progress with 
obviously, we will get better as the season goes on. Hopefully, we will bring more players in. But going into a season with 24 players and half of them out fit or whatever else, and you start getting a few thumpings, people won't turn up. And that's, I just hope that all the hard work we've done over the last few years, certainly under Paul Roller, isn't undone this year by, by one season of. We had it when, when Richie Marshall came in. It was just that one year of it plateaued and everything seemed to go down again and people were losing a little bit of spirit because we've seen it before. The last right. four or five years have been magnificent for the club and I just hope now that, that people hang on in there, like Paul King said, stick with us because let's get through this. This tough time for everybody. But this time next year, to use only fools, we'll be millionaires. And Paul, if I could do, uh, just on that packet, I mean, part of the problem with as I understand it with okay, Kekos and Andy Akers, was that because the amount of money that was being given to Super League clubs was docked by about 200000 that was when suddenly Salford felt, because they didn't have the reliability of everything else you said, but that's when the, the contracts were real problematic. But if I remember right, on IMG's gradings, I think you finished at number eight, didn't you? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and as such... As long as you have a decent season, but you've got this finance aspect in place, which you now have, which will consolidate your financial grading, then you should, on the face of it, be in Super League next season and be able to build, which is better news than a lot of clubs. And even Lee, if you remember, they were finding themselves cast as something like number 13. And they've had uh, their financial accounting team. They've done a lot of work and they found themselves another two and a half points because of what they've done, which has lifted them to the right side of Super League. People won't like it. Jack, who I work with, Jack Deeden, he'll be yeah. saying, no, you've got to keep people's dreams alive. You've got to be able to give them promotion relegation. But all that's been doing to my mind in recent seasons, killing clubs off. And Salford could quite well have been one of them this year. You know, if, like, for whatever reason, you finish bottom, down you go, and it's a quick slide everywhere else. So, Wakefield spent the money last year on a new stadium. Their standing in going into the Super League will be higher now, and it is higher than London's. Um, Castleford, should mm-hmm. Castleford get relegated? Well, their facilities won't give them a big score anyway. So, all in all, it's a new new way going forward. But if you look at all the TV deals, and I know you want to speak about that as well, if you look at all the TV deals going forward, then would that have been brought to us if the game wasn't now clearly showing what it's got with regards to assets, forward plans, development, et cetera, et cetera? I, I don't know. Wide open question. I think I think you're probably right. I think from a selfish point of view, from a Salford point of view, I think this year is... It's actually not a bad year if you're going to have an off year, if you like, on the field because of what the progress will be off the field and the fact that we know at the end of this season we're not getting relegated. We've got a chance now to build things from the bottom up again. I said, I went on, the, I was invited on the uh, the whole KR podcast the last season and I said to them, it's a bit of a home truth, but I think the best thing that happened to them was us relegating them a few years back because they got to rebuild from the bottom up. And you look where Hulk are now, that wouldn't have been possible because they were chasing a dream every year to stay in Super League. We've got to stay in Super League. Got, and spending money on players that maybe weren't right for them, it gave them a chance to build a club, build a team, a new ethic, things behind the scenes changed. And then, I mean, look at what's happened at Craven Park, the developments and so on. I think that's a chance that we've got now. We can, we can build. We've, we have got this platform. And it's not just the case of 
we've got to buy all these players because we need to stay in Super League. We've got a year now to, to build a club again. And, and hopefully this time next year, we'll be in a completely different stratosphere to where we are now. Yeah. Paul King talked about it being one step closer to, to the goal, talked about how it benefits the club and, and the local council. Uh, the RFL in their statement was happy with everyone, congratulated everyone on, on their efforts. Even, even Sale get inv- got involved and started talking about turning it into a, a rugby hub. Trevor, obviously all parties really happy with what's, what's happened uh, and we can all move forward to a, with a bigger and better vision for the future. Well, indeed. Funny enough, uh, oh, I'd say funny enough, all that is great stuff. Paul King, Ian Blees, everybody involved in it have done a fantastic job. And I don't mean to offend any of those directors who've been involved in this at all. I am actually a shareholder of Salford. I paid me 100 quid and I could be in it. So, you know, that's how much I felt I wanted the club to survive. But when you look at it all, he's done a fabulous job. And someday we're suggesting they should make a film of this with Paul King. Well, I'm putting my name in the act now because I want to be Paul King in that. I'm going to act on it. You can get Russell Crowe and the rest of them. I'm going to be that man. So I'll, I'll let you do that one. Parky would probably be Bruce Willis. I'll be John Candy. John Candy could play me. We could, <laughs> we could make a film out of this. We talked about uh, the ladies having a film. We can we can do this as a, as a, as a sequel, Parker. Yeah, I don't think anyone wants to see me act. Uh, <laughs> I think, yeah, no, I, I think for, for Paul King, this is a massive relief. I've heard so much said about him as, a, as an individual. And what he's put himself through in the last... Two three years, he's 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 unbelievable. It really is, and it's all for this. This was the this is the end game. This is what he was he was leading us to. Nobody else was putting the hand up. Nobody else wanted that role. I didn't see anyone else putting the house on the on the line to secure the club. He's not a money man. He's he's not. This isn't this isn't his thing. And he kind of fell into this, but he's guided us through some pretty tricky waters. Certainly in the last. Six months. I've spoken to Paul. I'm sure. I'm sure most of us have, and it's been tough. How how he's not just walked away and washed his hands of it. I mean, some of the things that have been said have been, well, I mean, libelous. I think some of them. But there you go. So don't uh, repeat them. Yeah, no. I won't <laughs> do but he's he's done it. He's done a, a great job in guiding us him, and obviously in Blaze and I don't know, obviously Paul Rowe with what goes on on the pitch with very little given to him. But to get to this point now, he's where, where he wanted to be. He wanted the, the, the share thing to get the money in, to help us behind the scenes, to get the right people in commercial roles, to help us attract sponsors. He's got them. He mentioned yesterday in that interview that these things are ready to go once the stadium's signed. And then that money becomes available. New opportunities become available. He's put this in place. These are things that you can't, you can't just announce because there's no, we had no stadium. You know, he had to wait for this. And if it had all gone wrong, everybody would have pointed the finger at him anyway. So I, I just tip my cap to him. I think he's done a, a, a wonderful job in trying circumstances. And I'm sure Paul will say himself, has he done everything spot on? Probably not. But he's got to where he is. And I think we've had this conversation, Rob, that he's, he's a man who tells you what he thinks. Mm. He's not going to hide. He's not going to tell you what you think you need to hear. He's not going to just come over and glad hand you and tell you a pack of lies. He, it's been a struggle. Financially, we have really been against it, and he's he looks like he's weathered it now. And hopefully, now we're coming out the other side, and it's he, he's guided us to this point. Yeah, business wise, cold as ice, he'll, he'll look you in the dead in the eye, and, and he'll he'll negotiate hard. And that's what I want as a chairman. I want somebody who's who's got the club's interest at heart, and and will sort of deal hard to get what we need. He's on the show next week, so get your questions in. 
so we can put them to Paul King uh, and that'll be exciting for everybody. Moving on, we've got a new signing, David Nuffaluma from Australia, a big Australian rugby league fan, me, Trevor, but I know you know a lot about him. <laughs> well, one thing I don't know about him is how to say his name correctly, so okay. uh, we're all in the same boat there, I'll have to tell you. But no, look, he's been at West Tigers 10 years or so, hasn't he? He's played 192 games, 100 tries, what a return that is. One better than one every two games. Mm. And even when he was on Melbourne Storm, I think for six games he got four. He's played for Samoa uh, as well three times and, and scored four tries or something like that. He's a phenomenal try scorer. The NRL tries are harder to come by than they are in the in the UK Super League. There's no doubt about that. He's had some problems. And I think it's been with regards to coaching regimes and coaching staff or whatever, which made him... Not quite flavour of the month with West Tigers. But one thing is, he's got talent. And if that can get refocused and re- the desire to use it reignited, then what better club than uh, Salford were, let's face it, when Jackson Hastings came, he had a bit of a bad boy reputation. Brody Corcroft, people are saying, well, Brody's not the player he was. Uh, and you've got you had others as well. So all things considered, Salford seemed the best place to bring a player who's a little bit disillusioned and you can re-spark him. Yeah, one-year contract, uh, Samoan International Parker, pace to burn, knows where the line is. He's, he's ticks all the, all the boxes uh, for me. Exciting times. Well, I've, I've, uh, I, watch, I watch a lot of NRL, I really do. And when I, I heard about two months ago, there was trouble at the mill, if you like, with him and, and what was going on at the club and he was going to get his marching orders and that kind of thing. And I, I found it a bit of a shock, but I said at the time, I said, I, I don't see him going to Super League. I just didn't. He, he was too good. I said he'd get another club in the NRL, no problem. He's, you know, he's a marvellous player. And then, and then lo and behold, this comes out, a magnificent player. I got a message today off uh, my, my friend who's, who's a West fan in, in Sydney there, even Daniel. And... <laughs> He, he said straight away, the one thing he said, he said, you've got a gun. Before he said anything else, he said, you've got a gun. And then he, he went on to list that he's he's probably one of them, a bit like a Jackson Ace things, who just needs a change of scenery now. He's been at the same club for a long time. He's things he's fell out with certain people and that, that happens at, at club. It happens every day at a rugby club. Someone falls out with somebody. but And, and now he's coming over here and... I've had a look around the, the Super League and I, I don't see too many better wingers. I'm not just saying that because he just signed for us. I, I genuinely mean it. This is a, this is an NRL star. This isn't just a, a another another player. And losing losing Kenny Seal was, was a massive blow. He, I don't, not, not a word I'm going to use lightly, but he was a legend for us. Certainly a yeah. Super League legend. His try-scoring record was unbelievable. If you're going to replace him, this isn't a bad way to do, to do it. If this worked, we could have another ace things, a, a Brody Croft, a, a Joel Moon, if you like, that kind of that kind of player, that quality. If it doesn't, we get a Manu Vatuai or a Daniel Vido or a Kevin Locke or somebody like that. I mean, it's that's that's the chance you take. But I think this guy's a special player. I really do. And I, I'm I'm absolutely delighted. But I, I thought we were looking a little bit weak on the wings. Obviously, Joey Burgess leaving as well wasn't great. Reese Williams being let go to to, to Swinson. Uh, I thought we were well catered for at one point, and then you're thinking, hang on a minute, what, what are we going to do here? I don't know which side he'll go on, Nofaluma, but whether it's outside McDonald or Lafay, you're going to have a dangerous partnership either side. So 
it's I think it's a great signing. How we pulled it off again. I don't know how our club keeps doing this. Well, you know? I mean, the way you play rugby, you need somebody on the end to finish. And, you know, that, that's what you had with CO. There's some great approach player, gave him the opportunity to get the tries. Yes, he, he finished some great ones, didn't he? Joe Burgess did as well. Reese Williams over the years. So, But in Noah for Noah, Noah for Aluma. Noah for Maluma. I'll get it right by the time I have to cover your game. And I don't need to worry. If Jack covers it, that will be pronounced yeah. 10 different ways anyway yeah. by the time we get to half time. So it, it won't matter that much. I'm sure you can get him a nickname sooner enough and Noah or something like that. Then we can get through it. But look, he's, he's a class player if he wants to play and he's coming to Salford. I'm sure he wants to play. I'm looking forward to watching him with a belter. Yeah. Exciting time. So uh, welcome, David. And uh, good luck in your career at Salford. Talk about players' careers at Salford. One's come to an end, Parkett. Alex Gerrard has left uh, the club. He's had a lot of injuries in the last 12 months, uh, but when he was on the field, he was he was top draw. Yeah, massive shame for the guy. We, I thought, obviously, he'd been around the game for a while. He wasn't a young lad, but he was. it was like discovering the gem again. Him and, and Tyler Dupree came in last, last season together, and they, they, they helped alter our season quite a bit. They added that grunt we needed, a really good player, Gerard, and it's a massive shame for the lad. I know he's, his knees had taken some impact, haven't they? I think people were mentioning that his time at Widness on the pitch that they have there didn't do him any favours. And then by the time he's come to us, it's, it's just got to him. But while he was on the park, yeah, a, a superb player. I'm really, really disappointed because some of his performances sort of carried us at times the other year. And I was looking forward to seeing him again this year or getting back to fitness and and having another crack. So it's a massive loss, not only ju- just with, for, for Alex himself and for us, but the fact that you know, we haven't got any props, really. And he's, he was, was going to be filling a big gap this year. So, But the decision's made, and it's, it's got to be right for him. It's got to be right for his, his life. He's got a long way to go. So I don't know if he's going to carry on playing at some level, but I think the day-to-day impact of Super League, the training and everything else, he's just it's going to take its toll on him, and he's, he's better off probably away from it. But I've got nothing but good things to say about him. He's only with us a short time, but he, he put everything in and, and and put in some really good performances. Yeah, we often refer to ourselves as the Opportunity Club, uh, Trevor. Obviously, Alex Gerrard's journey in his Salfordshire kind of shows that, obviously coming in, um, playing well, and then obviously with injuries dropped away. But that's, I suppose that's the risk you take when you're picking these players up who are looking for that opportunity to get back to the higher level. Some go on to bigger and better things and some unfortunately don't. Well, look, the fact of the matter is for the players, you're right, Parker said there, it's all about the fact that you've got to want to be good for the player. But with regard to Alex, he's been superb. Whenever I've watched him with Salford, he's given nothing less than 100%, but none of the players do. But he's, he's steady. It's been like a metronome. The tick has been there one way and the other. You always knew what you're getting. And he always came on a steady a ship if it was a struggle a little bit in rough sea, so to speak. But the fact of the matter, I suppose, when you look at it, you know, they've had to get rid of uh, Brody Craft and Andy Akers because they're the big money men. But when they're looking at what they've got in that pot left, and I don't know how much Alex was on, but if he had the bad injuries and they're trying to say, how many games are going to get at Alex? And Alex says, well, or maybe somebody says, well, I don't think we'll get a 50% of the season or 75 They have to weigh up the balance against what they've got and what they can get and how many youngsters they've got and how they might be able to hang on to somebody by giving Alex his money. Like, I have no no idea how much anybody got all the budgets were, but I would think that Alex is probably a bit of both, really. Fallen foul of 
what he wanted and and the fact of what could be afforded and opportunities for others coming through. Yeah, so we wish him well uh, in his next stage of his career. Talking about another Salford forward, King Bunny Ayawa Parker, banned for one game after being um, simbined uh, against Ellens. Obviously, got Leeds coming up this week. Often plays well against Leeds. Bit disappointed he's got, obviously, his match banned this week. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's, he's, he's former club, isn't it? He? he left. He, he had. I think he had an opportunity to stay at Leeds and chose to come to us, which I think shows quite what a basket case club Leeds really is. I'm really disappointed. He's had these problems. We had him last year. He got cautioned a few times for these high shots. The way the game is now, and the, the protection that the players are going to get, and the height of the tackle, and all that kind of thing, he, he's going to have to learn. He's, you know. He, you can't do, you can't go around chopping people's heads off. It's not the eighties anymore, you know. <laughs> Kieran O'Loughlin's no longer playing. You know, it, are you not sure he doesn't get done for like when they say name and he says Vinny, yeah, yeah, well, they say you're taking the Michael there, aren't you? And they get spooked for that. Are you sure that's not what it is? <laughs> he's well, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't fancy writing it down, I'll be honest. But yeah, it's a shame because he'll be a big blow. I mean, again, last the, the times he was certainly the back end of the city, he was magnificent, wasn't it? When we were doing the the man of the match thing every week, and he was up there in the in the top three every week, he gives us some go forward. But defensively, he's got a bit of work to do, and he not a lot of time to to learn how to change this. And I think next year again, it, the rules change again, they become a lot more stricter, and there won't be places for players that that, that can't tackle a bit around the waist. Let's be honest. So it's a blow for us for Friday night, huge blow. Uh, like I said, we've already lost Alex Gerrard. We're missing. Forwards aren't. We're not blessed with big forwards, but maybe it just gives us another chance of playing a different style, perhaps a bit more ball movement from the from the big men. But yeah, bit, big blow, especially coming in a friendly. I mean, I don't know whether it could have been more lenient. I wasn't there. I can't commit to, to saying whether it was worth it or not. But somebody looked at it and thought it was. So off you go. Pat Murray remembers. I think he did like three air tackles in a row. And ref was like, off you go, son. I think. Might be wrong, uh, but that's the way it is, I suppose. Trevor, these aggressive players, they, they play on a line, don't they? And uh, that's uh, what happened, unfortunately. We, he does run that line. Well, it sounds very much like he's fallen foul of the new restrictions, if you like. I mean, like I said earlier on, I, I've done the two Rochdale games last couple of weekends, and there was some. the penalties were mainly for flopping on. You know, when you come in as the third man or you, you lean on, the tacklers and trying to count them off while you get your defence back. That's where the main penalty were coming from. But of course, what we've been told is that if the tackle is armpit level, then you're okay. If it's between the armpit and the chin, above the armpit, you'll, you'll give a penalty. If you're anywhere near the chin, then they'll determine whether it's a sim bin. And if you hit there, well, it's a sim bin or a red card, depending on, you know, determine whether it's uh, meant or not. And Vuni, yeah, you are. Like you said, last season had one or two issues. He's a tall chap. Anybody a bit smaller than him, he might be swinging. He's going to have to get lower. But hopefully, you know, they're all being coached and they've all been plenty of work on it since uh, it was all started being uh, spoken about last November, December. And hopefully, hopefully, that it'll only take a few weeks before everybody gets the message. It's just how many bodies you might lose in those first few weeks. Yeah. Can I just ask? about last season our, our discipline seemed to be an issue now there were times when I was watching the game myself thinking I think both teams are doing that but one's getting penalised what was your because I know you obviously come to, come 
did the commentary on, on quite a few of our games last year. And was it something you felt was a massive problem for us? Not just last year. Not just last year. Last two, three, four years, to be honest. I mean, Rowley came in and he actually tightened up a lot on your discipline. And we'll always ask him this question. If we look at the, I do the penalty count uh, through the game and you'll, you'll look at it and sometimes you're getting absolutely walloped on it. And it, that wasn't satisfactory. And Tyler Dupree, you mentioned Tyler. Tyler was, well, he gave quite a few away Tyler when he was first coming into the side. And uh, it's just the way that when players get tired, obviously, they're not liable to bring that arm down as much. They're, they're swinging the other way and the rest of it. I thought that your discipline last year was better than the previous year, but you were still worse off in discipline than others. Now, I'm sure somebody will come with the stats and say, Luke, this is what Leeds did, this is what Lee did, this is what they all did. Well, it might look worse, but the perception was that the penalties that you gave away were always in the wrong area for you anyway, mm. you know, weren't they? Two I, points here, two points there, and try on the because it if it goes penalty penalty it goes penalty penalty try yeah yeah, yeah that that's almost a you can take that as a red for any side it, and that it, seems it, to be it with Salford it always seems to be with, with us that it's like the fifth tackle something like that and you think you've just done the hard work yeah why on this tackle have you decided to lie on that little bit longer put your hand on the ball what 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 goes through a player's mind to make him think that's a wise move and you think. Surely the player didn't think that. Is there something else? Is there something else there? Obviously, there's plenty of blatant penalties, plenty of things that we did do wrong, and you can see it. But there was things, you know, you're getting caught not square at the mark, and you think, how many times a game is somebody not square at the mark? But there isn't a penalty. Is it? I'm not saying we were victimised. I'm not saying that. And we we clearly won. The, well, we, we're clearly the worst disciplined team in the league. The stats show that up. But I didn't think we were overly that bad. Do you know what I mean? I don't think we're a dirty well, team. You're not, but I mean, don't forget coaches target, don't they? So there'll be players in every team where they go, actually, when he's done two tackles, he's worn out for, and for the next six, run at him. Step on his left because he'll swing an arm out. The, the, you know, it's, it's that detailed now. All the, the pictures they have, the videos they have, they look at their opponents. The players themselves pull it up from what I find. So it's incredible stuff, really, the way they go on this. And I think from Solver's perspective, again, your players are often playing above what they're anticipated yeah. is doing to some degree because of the fact that the money's not there. And you've, you've performed fantastic. You know, what is it Rolly always says? He says, promise little and deliver lots or something like that, don't he? And that's what Salford have been doing for the last four seasons uh, at least. And, and when you look at it, I think that it tires you out. They run at you. They know where they are. They know the last one. Markers, I think the referees, as long as the marker looks like he's getting himself behind the man, they probably won't penalise every time. But it's when they're obviously worn out, should I say. And, that, and that's it. So I don't think I don't think you're picked on, but I think oh, right. you do get caught out. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens in, in the next uh, few weeks regarding that. Obviously, new season referees like to stamp uh, stamp down on certain things to see if we can sort of out sort out our disciplinary issues. Moving on to the rugby league media, we've got a rugby league media legend on on the show uh, this week in Trevor Talk Sport announced. Uh, they're going to be covering the, the Super League this season. Parker, great for the sport. 40 games covered there. You know, more ears on the sport. Yeah, I listened to a couple on TalkSport last year. I think it's, it's Mark Wilson does the 
the commentary there, the, the guy does quite a bit on, on the Beeb and everything else. An excellent, excellent commentary. One of the, one, one of the best, I think. Really, really good at that. I've, so I've listened to a few on there, but that's good. It is the the only sort of national sports station, isn't it? I think, it's, I think it's actually the biggest sports station in the world, TalkSport, which is bizarre when you think of the states and places like that. So, yeah, another great step. The more people that can get the chance to listen, the more people can get to someone sat in a van in a traffic jam, no interest in rugby league, and it comes on. You don't know. They could get hooked straight away. It could be a, a brilliant game. Commentator builds it up like they do. Like I say on radio, it's so important that they, they, they draw you in and they paint that picture that you're there. You don't know. But, yeah, I mean, another excellent, you know, excellent coup. The, the, the sport on, that, on the media front is, is definitely a last-taking step to... To get itself out there, I think it's been very insular for a long time and a bit like, why does nobody cover us rather than going out and making it happen? I think it's, you know, we've got a great game, you should watch it. Well, that's not quite how it works. You've got to take it to the people and, and this is another step to do that. Yeah, with a new Super League Plus deal and the, the new deal with the BBC, Trev, obviously, opportunity to, to show the people what our game's all about. Well, yeah, terrestrial TV, it's non-pay, isn't it? So 5.30 on uh, BBC Two, I think it is, this weekend, uh, Wigan and Castlewood. Now, you, you obviously you can watch uh, and the excellent Matt Newsom on his commentary, or you can tune into BBC Radio Manchester, where I'll be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there you go. Uh, the fact of the matter is more eyes on the sport is what matters. I talked to you right at the outset, I think, about how the game has changed from... <laughs> doing copy on, on pieces of paper and dropping them off and then faxing and all the rest of it and now it's the electronic age and of course you have to embrace that and with IMG they've opened up all sorts of avenues and opportunities that we never had before because basically we didn't know how to do it but they've now got a company that's ahead of all that so you've got streaming you've got TalkSport you've got the BBC they've been allowed to come in on it without impacting upon Sky Sports Sky Sports offering this fantastic package I think it's 130 quid or something where you can watch every Super League game in the season that's amazing value isn't it but they want more dishes sold because it's not just the rugby league of course they want you to pay for Sky Cinema and everything else that goes with it so it's getting a people watching on TV and if they watch on TV we've then got to persuade them by the atmosphere that can put across radio and and even on telly that makes people think actually it must be great to be there and and that's what we've got to do so I think the more people get watching the more people get listening the more outlets is fabulous and I think if you listen to BBC Radio Manchester you'll find we're covering something like 130 games this season so you know plenty three every weekend more or less it's all very exciting, uh, what's going on. Talking about what other things are going on, which is exciting, Parker, in the club, the Rising Stars Development Programme has been announced for the 4th of April, under-15s, under-16s, opportunity for the youth uh, of the area to get involved. It's being held at Carrizhead Rhinos. Obviously, very exciting times for them. Yeah, another another great sort of venture from the club. And I know we've done it year in, year out now, haven't we? And it, it just encourages people to, to play. And this is what we were saying about going back to the stadium, if you like, this community thing of we need to get people involved. We need to, to get people hooked and giving them a chance to, to come down and, and train with you know, people who are trained to do this job. They know what's going on. And and I think it gives you, especially at that age, that's that's a key, key age, that, because we're looking, obviously, hopefully to get an academy back at some point. I mean, we, we, I've had that rant before. And they, they, this is the age where you get them. And it's too easy for, 
for 15, 16 year olds now to do many other things. Let, let's not play against sports, not exactly high on everybody's agenda. So to get them out, to get them training, to get them hooked, hopefully to come down to the games as well then. And and, and who knows, we might find a gem that's, that's, you know, never even thought of playing rugby before. They're out there. We know they are. We're in a, I've said for, for years, I think we're in Salford and, and, and with Manchester on the doorstep and Trafford and everything. We're in a very privileged position. There's a lot of people and a lot of really good athletes out there who need, you know, who might be untapped, who might watch a different sport. We need to give them the chance to play rugby league, to get involved, to find themselves an amateur club, to let the game grow again. So, yeah, I, I, you know you know what I think. I think the, the, the work the club do in the community and, and, and the foundation and that kind of it's, it's absolutely fantastic. Again, with skeleton staff and no money, generally. It's, it's brilliant to see. And, yeah, it's another good step. Yeah, 11 to 14-year-olds. Their training sessions are on the 2nd of April and the 3rd of April. Both age, well, all the age categories will play Oldham on the 9th of April and the, I think it's the 10th of April as well. So that's a, an opportunity for them. Obviously, Trevor, we don't have a fully functioning academy at the moment. Obviously, the talk is the RFL about how they can get that in the end. This being in place gives a little pathway uh, into the club and into the system. Well, the main thing, you know, I'll have to beat, I always beat this drum, that we need a relationship between the pro clubs, whether that's Super League, Championship or League One, with the NCL and then the community clubs elsewhere, because that's the pathway we want. You know, in the past and even now, professional clubs still want to spend a lot of money on facilities for young kids when the facilities are all there if they just invest a little bit of time and commitment to working with those clubs so like you've got in your area you know with the, the Salford Roosters and it used to be Eccles of course and then Langworthy and all the other sides Earlham, Caddy's Head, the ones you're talking about all those sides, bit of investment they've all got tremendous facilities so they don't have to reinvent anything just move around there, use your training there and get the kids involved in those and then pull them together as you said into developing what is the basis for coming through to your academy and when you get them in the academy don't just sign them up but use them as you want and utilize this community game dual registration to let them go back and play when they're not needed and then once we build that initially there'll be people reacting against it but over a period of years it'll become the norm and it will work because we all, there's not enough players to go around yeah, and it, but so you, you have to keep it all going. And if you like take six or seven players from one club, well, the other lads who are left, they're not enough for the team. Mm. They can't play. And out of those six or seven, you'll be lucky if one of them actually makes the grid. But you want those other six to go back and create an atmosphere, create a, a venue where other players can come through. We will make it. It's it's a no brainer, but constant. We're always battling over the same things. Yeah. And obviously, if, if you've got kids and you want them to get involved in that, contact danny.barton at salfordcc.ac.uk uh, and he will organise that for you. Talking about other development days, the ladies are having a development day uh, from year 7 to year 11 on the 5th of April, Friday, Parker. Obviously, we talked about the Rising Stars, but our ladies team had a great couple of years and they're trying to put a, a pathway into that yeah and that's that's the way it should be like we say it's a community game it's not it's not a boys game it's not a, you know anything like it. it's it's the right way and, and we need to what what we found from the first couple of years of our ladies team is that all our players generally came from other areas they weren't Salford girl. I know we had uh, Gabby Chaplin who was 
I think, the first Salford girl to play for our ladies' team. But we, we need to, to have a pathway to get more girls. If, the, amount of, the amount of girls and, and, and women in, in, that watch the game these days, it's incredible. From when I, for me, early 80s to, to where we are now, it's, it's, it's unbelievable, the, the percentage of, of females at the game. We need to get them involved. We need to give them the chance to, to play the game. As you know, my wife plays Masters now. She's gone back to it after leaving it for 20 years. But, you know, it, it, it's brilliant. It's great. So, and it's growing. And we've got to do all we can. And we've got to give these girls a chance because it's never been there, has it? It's never been a, it was never an option for them. Yeah, not really sure why it wasn't, but it, it just wasn't. And now we're offering this and we need, like I say, we need a pathway. Hopefully, eventually you get a ladies' academy as well. Then, ladies, and you, you, you get people from your own area and that kind of thing. Because we all love seeing one of our own, don't we? I think that's, uh, it, it doesn't matter who you support, the one of yours, they've come through your system, they're a fan like you. you even though it doesn't work this way, they, you think they feel it more, you know, it, they feel it different maybe. But So that's what we need to do. And, uh, and giving the girls the chances is the right thing to do. And we need to get out, get into the schools and get these girls playing. Yeah. They will play a game on the 8th of April, opposition to be confirmed. So if, if you've got a, a girl out there who, who, you know, you feel can get involved in that, contact joanne.shepherd at salfordcc.ac.uk and she will uh, get you involved in that. The fixtures for the ladies' season parking are out now. Uh, exciting times uh, for Mike Grady uh, and his ladies, obviously, being demoted from the Super League last uh, last season, um, travesty if you ask me. But they yeah. are where they are, and they've got to go again. Yeah, I mean, we've like say we had a great couple of years, didn't we? You know, the first season was just unbelievable, uh, and then last season we came up against more established teams, and we we pushed, we made the playoffs, and then all of a sudden the restructuring, you find yourself back to square one a little bit, which infuriates. I know a lot of our key players have moved on. Now they, they all want to play Super League and that's that's right. So they should because they were good players and that's, that's where you find people. So that, that was a massive shame for us but we've got to start afresh and I'm sure now, like I say, Mike being in charge and a very talented coach, been around been around the game, knows what he's doing. I'm sure he'll get the best out of our girls and, and I'm looking forward to it. There was, there was some cracking games in the last few years. I know you know we didn't make them to all but we got to watch them which we, which was good. We've seen the development of, of of players who've never played rugby league before, come from rugby union or or other backgrounds, taking up the sport, and then just like I said before, just having a talent for it, being being made to play rugby league, and uh, yeah, we've unearthed a, f- a few gems, haven't we? Uh, so I'm looking forward to another good year, and hopefully we can get back to to where we were in one one season. Yeah. Trevor, the ladies' game is growing all the time. Um, it's on Sky. Um, you know, it's fantastic. Obviously, the media getting involved and uh, creating these uh, heroes. Well, it's it's amazing the way that it's growing, and I know that Sport England obviously uh, will back any uh, uh, any sport that will help develop a sport for women, for young girls, and the rest. So, with regards to uh, the rugby league, there's money pumped into it, if you like. I know some people don't think there is, but there is, to promote it. And the response, again, is absolutely fantastic. So when you look at where we are with the women's game, I've got two daughters, one of which uh, did play rugby at Lee Miners. She was the first girl player when she was eight-year-old. And she 
had to pack in when she was 11 because that's what happened. She went playing hockey. But the fact of the matter is now they could. And most of my daughters say, what's happening with the women's game is, had the women been able to play as long as the men have been able to play, then the women's game would probably be on a parity because of the fact that the skill levels would be there and everything else. I've got a five-year-old granddaughter who now shows me how to pass in the living room. She runs down, shows me how to score a try, and she shows me a sidestep. And then she sits me on a chair and hits me with her shoulder a couple of times <laughs> and says, that's how I tackle you. And then she stands back with hands on hips and says, but of course, if it was a game, I'd hit you a lot harder. So there you go. I mean, she's in, she's one of those who's probably my best chance of an international down the track. But women, girls, they're into it now. And, and so they should be. It's a great game. It's a great camaraderie. It's a great team sport. And yes, the physicality of it is all relative. If you've yeah. got two teams of a similar ability, mm. skill factors and, and everything else, you'll have a great game of rugby league. The women at the moment won't be able to take on men because of the way we built. That's a fact of life. And, uh, you know, we, we're kidding ourselves. Anybody said no, they could. But the skills are there. They're, they're fantastic. And I, I just think the game's growing and it's going to build and build and build. And then when you see what the Aussies are like, you know, when they play or the Kiwis, uh, it's absolutely amazing, really, the skills there. Uh, and of course, they develop over time. And, it's a, a big, big call. Yeah. yeah. Very, very exciting times. Parky for the ladies game, yeah. uh, like you say, with, with the Super League and, and the development through the through the different age groups and things like that. It's, it's a golden time, obviously, like Trevor said, relatively new in the in the whole time scale of, of, of rugby league. But 5, 10, 15 years down the line, who knows what might happen? Well, absolutely. My, my eight-year-old niece plays at Salford Roosters at the moment and... One of her coaches, you might have heard of him, a lad called Adrian Morley. You may know him. <laughs> and she loves it. She absolutely loves it. Um, whether she takes it seriously some of the time or not, it's not it, the friends she's made already. You know, in, in like one year of playing it, this, there, there was only two girls on the team. But they play against the boys. You know, we've been up at Oldham St. Anne's and we go around and it's it's brilliant to watch. And they're engaged. And, they, and she absolutely loves it. She, she was doing ballet dancing at one point, all this kind of stuff. Now, she loves it, and that's, give people a chance, let them get out there. I mean, how it, how it works in a couple of years' time, I don't know. Is there going to be enough girls at her age, in her team, to carry on a team? I don't know. That's that's where we've got to get to. Like Trev said there about giving it giving it time, we, we can develop it, and, and hopefully we can be on a path. That's how it's got to be. And I'd just like to I'd just like to apologise on Parker's behalf to any ballet dancers. There is nothing wrong with ballet dancing. <laughs> no, Enjoy no, it, and no, it's absolutely. a very very tough profession. Absolutely, I couldn't. Yeah, no, I couldn't do it. No, no, uh, I can only just stand up at the best of times. No matter. Well, no seeing you, yeah. seeing you in a tutu would certainly be something uh, <laughs> that I'm sure many would pay a good uh, good ticket price mm -hmm. for. It might be Valentine's, but that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> might be useful when tiptoeing down the line you never know yeah very good <laughs> <laughs> so yeah great stuff for for, our, for for the ladies game we'll see how that develops um, talk about things that are developing we've uh, started our own uh, fantasy league uh, rugby league league Trevor uh, into fantasy, fantasy rugby league uh, I have it every night really uh, usually I'm asleep and I'm fantasising <laughs> and I'm back playing but uh, I can't say I've been I've, 
Yeah, I've dabbled in the past when there's been various publications that have brought out the fan. I can't keep it going, basically. I kind of, not that I lose interest, but I do fall behind. And, you know, it's the transferring aspect or when somebody gets injured, I, I just kind of get lost in it. But, you know, my son plays it. Uh, he was very, very keen on it and the rest of it. And they, they love it. But, you know, um, for me, I might find time, but I might not. Mm, Parker, you're involved. You've got your team set up there. Any sort of comments at the start of the season you want to share? No, I, I must say I'm a bit like that myself. I've got at the start of the year, me and a few of the lads decided, well, we do a, a football one. After about three weeks, I've completely forgot about it. And then apparently I've got two players in my team that have been injured and out for the season. <laughs> no idea. That's the way it is. No, I went through it. was, do you know, I, I found it surprisingly easy to pick yeah. a team. Now, normally, it's, it's awkward. You think, I've got this much money to spend. I need this. I've got... And I actually found the one that we've done, the, the official sort of Betfred Super League version, quite quite easy. I could easily have swapped a few more and put a, little, a couple more stars in, but I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm quite happy with my team, actually. I've got some some stars in there and a couple of hard-working players. But I was I was actually, my theme was going to be Salford or ex-Salford players. Hmm. I put them all in a team. But then I thought... I'd like to win, so I won't bother doing that. Um, I thought it was a fantasy league. You can, that's the way you should be doing on a fantasy league. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, well, there is that. But yeah, I've got I managed to like shoot on uh, Bevan French in at full back, and you know people like that. I've got I've got Croft and Snead as the half backs because Snead is going to get points. He's going to kick goals, and that's what he does. So yeah, but it was it was good. It was good. For, I did it last night, and I, I just I, I was a bit worried actually because I think. Sometimes I overthink things and it takes me hours to do stuff. And I sat there and I probably did it in about 25 minutes. But then it says you can have three teams. And I thought, no, I'm not doing that. Stick to one because I'll, I'll have trouble managing that. Yeah. So if you want to join our fantasy league, the pin is 8258. And the password is SRD. 2024 so come join the phone i think we've up to 25 last time i looked so that's good numbers and we'll be obviously keeping you all up to date throughout the season and possibly a trophy for the winner at the end so that's exciting time something to look forward to um talk about exciting things have happened uh, recently trevor trevor andrew dixon one of our first team uh, squad and has has had a phd published which is exciting uh, insights into collisions in the rugby league tell us all about it what you know well i don't really know much about his phd but i, I do know about uh, the brain health committee mm-hmm. which I, i'm a member representing the community game on it really but i like i mean the whole business about lowering the tackle thing, tackle height, is to do with the concussion effects. And obviously, we've all played the game, and there'll be times when you took a bit of a smack just before half time, and the coaches come and said, "Oh, you're feeling all right? Give me those smelling salts." Yeah, clear. I'm off. I go. And of course, the cumulative effect of being knocked like that in a game, everybody thinks it's just when you take a bad knock and you concussed, and off you get carted, and, and that's. The result of that, but it's not. It's it's the number of con- uh, contacts you have to the head, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, throughout not just a game, through a season, through a number of seasons, and through a career that actually cause the issues. So the research that people like Andrew Dixon have done is what has, fo- has focused the minds on how you've got to deal with this. And 
I'm probably going off off beam on this because Andrew Dixon's done great and he's got a PhD in it, and I'm sure it'll be contributing to everything that's been done by the rugby football league. But the point is here that in the end, insurance companies said, unless you change what you're doing, we won't insure you because there's a hundred and whatever number of uh, former rugby league players attempting to sue the rugby football league, saying that they knew they were going to get potential brain damage when they were playing and they were never warned. Well, that's retrospectively. The thing is, now that you know there's those issues and there's a way to counter those, it's a bit like health and safety at work. If you're sending somebody down a trench and you don't show the sides up, in the past you'd have sent them down because you thought load bearing of the soils I said was okay. Now you know it's not. You have to put those uh, acros and stuff in. And it's a bit like that. Now you know there's potential for brain damage, then you've got to make steps to stop them having the repercussions that are down the track to mitigate the chances of it. And that's what's happened. So that's where it is with that. It took a lot of work because myself and one or two others around the committee thought, look, the whole whole aspect of what we like a rugby league is the physicality of it. The fact that you get out there and you do get involved in a little bit of tackling and knocking each other about. That's kind of like, well, after we'd seen all the evidence that's been put together by people like, Andrew and and others, then we were like, wow, we've just got to change. So congratulations to Andrew, PhD, fantastic. And the fact that it's on something that is a benefit to the sport is absolutely marvellous. Yeah, and I think, Parky, it's great. Obviously, these players being educated, um, being trained. So when their career ends, they have something else to to go into. Um, I mean, we've we've seen sort of, the tragic side of, of people who retire and, and don't have, you know, because rugby league's a very short career, you know, you're, in, you're generally just in your 30s and you're finished. You know, you've got a long, long way to go in your life. And and since the professional game came about, a lot of lads come straight out of school into an academy and never have a job, never have to work. Their job is rugby league. And you come out at the end and you go, oh, I forgot. It's good that they've got something behind them now. And that's something that clubs have got to have a massive responsibility with. Especially like we were talking before about academies, you know, give them a chance to get a college education, university if they want, whilst playing. You've got to have something to fall back on because rugby league isn't going to be there forever. And and what 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 Andrew's done is, I know he's always been quite studious, hasn't he? I think is it was it his daddy was a, a teacher. I think I think that's right. You know, and, and they've they've kind of he's carried that on, and that that needs to be done because, like I say, too many players get to the end of the career and go. Now what? And I don't think the help's there either from, from other parties, but that's a different matter. So, yeah, no, well done to, to, to Andy. And I, I hope more players can can be given the time to do that. I know they get plenty of time. They're not, they're not, they're not down a pit for 16 hours, are they? But, you know, time to go and, and, and pursue education and are encouraged by clubs to do that and, and given the advice they need by the people who do look after them. Because, like I say, it's, it's, you're a long time retired. And, and I, we don't want to see, you know, tragic circumstances like we've seen with certain people in the past, you know, re- reoccurring. So, yeah, no, delight for, delight for Andy because obviously he's getting to that stage of his career now where he, he's got to think of the next step. He's got this. He's obviously an educated lad. And, and you know, good luck to him. Yeah. So that's all the news um, on the show this week. Obviously, the Super League season starts on Thursday with, with the whole derby. So what we'll do, we'll just quickly run through uh, all the, the teams in the Super League and see what our thoughts are uh, for their season. We'll start, Trevor, with 
Castleford. Uh, a disappointing season uh, last season. Craig Lingard uh, is now the head coach. He was assistant uh, last year. Lost a few big names in the off-season. Brought in some unknowns, but it's going to be a tough year for them. Well, I think it's going to be a tough year for them. And, and as we've mentioned previously, you know, they, they have to survive in Super League somehow or other uh, to actually give them a chance of uh, boosting their IMG scores because of what, what they've got there. But I think they'll be down at the bottom personally, alongside of London. Might get proved wrong when they thrash Wigan by 30-odd points, but Wigan <laughs> have won the last three trips to Castleford. I just kind of see uh, Cass down in the bottom too. Yeah. Obviously, struggled last year, like I said, Parker. There's talk about stadium redevelopment on the horizon for them. But like I say, it's on the field this season. They need to make sure that they're not bottom come the end. Yeah, I think the stadium thing at Cass has been going on for that long. I think the last people to do any repairs there were the Luftwaffe. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's been a while. No, I mean, we, the jungle's a, a, a unique place in, in sport these days. Not many grounds are still like it. Yeah, I think I think Castle struggle. I don't think the squad a bit like ours, really. I think the squad's a little bit too small. Whether they've got the finance to then bring players in as the season goes on on loan or whatever. The thing is with Cass, it's always a horrible place to go, a tough place to get a result. If you get a result there, you've done well, generally. But this year I think they'll I think they'll struggle. And they haven't got the easiest of starts, have they, against the champions? So yeah, no, I, I think I think Cass will be down in the bottom two or three. Hmm. Catalan Dragons, runners-up last season, Trev. Jordan Abdul signed on low. Theo Farge has gone back. Big forwards, warm weather. Going to be a tough team to beat. Well, it's the trip over there, isn't it? You know, Warrington are going, but I think Warrington have won on the last three visits as well over to Catalan. So, Catalan at home, always hard especially when you get into the summer and it's red hot and you're travelling across from this side of the, the world whereby we're in rain or we might even have a bit of late sleet and you head over there and it's suddenly 80, 90 degrees. I think Catalan are a good side. I think they're well coached and uh, certainly got a, a good fan base there. I think they'll finish in the top four and they might even make a grand final again, but it's certainly going to be tough. I mean, they'll miss Tompkins, there's no doubt about that. And they've lost Guderman, haven't they? But... You know, Arthur Morg, I think he's still with them and he, he's got to come in his own. He's been an exciting prospect the last couple of years. So I think they'll do all right, especially with Jordan Abdul, Abdul pushing them around the park. Yeah, obviously last season, Parquet runners-up. Good season, need to continue that uh, momentum. Obviously, they look to <coughs> build the game in France and uh, a successful Catalan Dragons team will do that. Yeah, I've I, I got a feeling they might not be as strong as last year. I don't know. I don't know what makes me think that. I know they've lost a couple of players, but they have brought good players in. Like you say, it's always again another tough place to go. They they don't always travel the best. That's that's the other thing to it. But I just think, <coughs> I think last year was a great chance. I don't think they'll be as strong as last year, but again, they will finish in the top four or five definitely. Their 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 squad's too too good not to. I think so. Yeah, not maybe not the highlight of last season for me, but. They'll, they'll they'll still be up there and they'll be tough to beat at all. Yeah. Huddersfield, Giants, Trev looking for a better 2024. Ian Watson at the helm, maybe feeling the pressure after a couple of uh, bad seasons for his standard. But they do have Jake Connor and Tui Lola here who will be crucial in their season. Well, they will, won't they? Unfortunately, then, uh, George Burgess is not arriving until 2025, really. And uh, I think that 
that's who they could have done with this year. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a tough season. I see for Huddersfield. They've got a big test at Lee on Friday night. And, of course, that was the game that went on for a complete weekend last year, if you remember. Uh, started on a Friday and finished yeah. on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. So I never left the ground in that entire period. But uh, it was, it, I think, I think in Watson, there's a lot of talk amongst the press that Watto could be the first person out if they don't start well for this season. And I hope that's not it because he's a great bloke, a great friend. And I just hope they do well. But... I think they'll be mid-table. I still can't see them pushing for a, a grand final or a, a, even a Challenge Cup final at that degree. Yeah, Parky. Obviously, Huddersfield looking to break into that sort of top six. Uh, like I said, not a great season last season. But they have the ability to, to be able to do that. But we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, again, they've gone out and they've brought players in again. They seem to do it every year at the moment. And I, I don't always agree. We went through doing that for years, just changing the team virtually every year. adding too many players takes a while to mix. Again, I, I, I have to agree. I, I, I've got a feeling they could easily miss out on the playoffs again. I'm looking at the other teams in the league that have you know, strengthened and, and so on. <coughs> I think you know, Ken Davey will be looking for a, a return this year, but I, don't, I just don't fancy him to get one. And I think, I, I, I think they'll probably finish 7th or 8th. Yeah, easily. Some, somewhere around there. Yeah. Hull FC, another team to disappoint in 2024 will the sleeping giant wake into a trev 40 in the squad so lots of people to pick there for tony smith yeah well tony smith is he's seasoned he's been around a long time he seems comfortable there and when you look at who they signed like the farm anu brown from newcastle and Mm -hmm. the sasa from dolphin Jaden okubat they've not got names that have really kind of fill you full of excitement in that degree but Hull FC what a venue and again that crowd if they get behind and they get a few wins together they might do well it'll be interesting to see won't it on uh, Thursday night they're going yeah. against Hull Kiara many are tipping to be a, a dark horse if you like for a Super League uh, grand final so Hull FC again I'm seeing them as a mid-table mm-hmm. but look what do I know we're all the same. It's that fantasy league. We're just throwing all these balls in a pot and coming out and see who come out on top, isn't it, really? Yeah. Thoughts, Parky, on all FCs for uh, I've got a feeling they'll struggle again. Mm. I look at the squad. Yeah, they might have plenty of players, but I don't see too many stats. I could be very wrong. They, they could go on a, a run and like, like Trev said, but going to the, the KC Stadium, whatever it's called these days, is not going to be easy. And if the, if the whole fans turn up, and get on the referee's back and everything else, it's, it's an absolute nightmare. But I just don't see it. I think they're a club in transition. I think they've got, I think financially, I think they've they felt the pinch over the last year or so as well, like a lot of clubs, and are now looking at cut, you know, keeping the budget to, to where it should be. You've got the likes of Danny Houghton, another year older. You, I just, I don't see them, make, again, I don't see them making the playoffs either. I think they'll be around with, with sort of Huddersfield. Going to be interesting to see what happens. Moving to the other side of the city, uh, Hull Kingston Rovers, Trevor, positive vibe at that club. They've picked up Joel Burgess from us. Uh, Mickey Lewis is their star player. Opportunity to break into the six. Well, Tyrone May, haven't they? Uh, obviously, it's going to be one of the halfback partners instead of Abdullah, I suspect. But Mikey Lewis, one of the exciting uh, talents in Super League and uh, came to the fore last, last year. Again, Hull Kiart, under Willie Peters, he's an excellent coach. I mean, to be honest, the Challenge Cup final 
They lost it by that one point from Lachlan Lamb. They did exceptionally well. They'd beaten Wigan on track, and that was Wigan's last defeat of the season last year. Speaking to lots of coaches at the Super League launch, they're, they're tipping OK for dark horses. They expect them to do better with, with the team they've got. And Elliot Minchella is their captain this year. He's a, another star player. I think OK They've developed their stadium. They've got more fans in. The atmosphere, again, is, is fantastic. They've got a great zone at one end where the fans get together before. I think it's a vibrant club, and I, I expect Ulkar will be um, the better of the two old sides, and I think they might just make the top six. I'm not going for, like, second or third for them or anything like that, but I think Ulkar will be a real challenger. They might be king makers rather than kings themselves. Mm. And obviously, Parker, it's important he build on his momentum because obviously getting to the Challenge Cup last season um, and all the good things going on off the field, uh, success brings success, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a feel-good club at the moment, isn't it? Considering where they've been. I mean, you go back sort of 10 years and look at OKI, it's just a completely different animal. I actually think they might make the top four and, and have a good tilt at everything. Uh, I don't see them winning the, the, the league by, by any stretch, but... They've got a good squad, a big squad, solid, you know. I looked through the team last night when I was doing the fantasy team and I couldn't believe some of the players they've got. They've got some real good players in key positions. I mean, when they let Abdul go, I was massively shocked. I thought it was a bit a bit odd, but they obviously knew what they were doing. Like, like we just said, Willie Peters is a, is a really good coach, very clever. I, I actually fancy Ulkar to do OK this year. They could, they could for me, get as high as third but I'd say certainly top four yeah Leeds Rhinos Trevor disappointing last season Brodie Croft and Andy Ackers has come in will that be the answer for the Rhinos well it's quality isn't it I mean to be honest the halfbacks they've had the last couple of years have not been up to it really uh, whereas Brodie Croft absolutely sensational and he uh, should be behind a good young strong pack I, I think Leeds uh, Rowan Smith has got to be under more pressure than anybody else because he's come big reputation. They're not delivered. And so they'll want something up. They've backed him up this year with all sorts of players. I'm just trying to look at the squad thing that we've got here. Like, you know, a good looking side, really. But they've not brought in that many players. Oh, yes, they have when I'm looking over the page. I'd only seen three or four on the <laughs> left hand side. But, you know, they'll do okay, I think, uh, Leeds this year. But having said that, Leeds is not the fearsome place it used to be, Headingley. I don't think it frightens teams anymore. And the other side of it with Headingley and Rowan Smith is like, how long, if they start losing early doors, it'll be difficult to get back to winning ways because they've had two seasons of uh, that losing mentality to some degree. Like they're a class side, Brodie Croft, Andy Akers, fantastic, and other players in that camp. But all in all, Leeds fringe six. Hockey can Leeds get rid of the Malays. I call it the Man United effect of being a, a giant which doesn't reach the potential uh, year in, year out. Can they get back to the big to the glory days? In a word, no. <laughs> I okay. honestly don't think they can. I think the sign of the Brody Croft is massive. I think we all know that. We all we, we know first and how, how good he is and how influential he is in games. For me, Leeds have got a great sort of they'll have a great seventeen if they get them out every week. I'm not sure what's behind it. I'm not sure what talent. They've always had a great youth system or, or for a long time. and They'll bring players through, but I'm still not convinced by them. I think there's something at that club that's not right. You know, why Why did Neymar McDonald leave last year? 
Why did King Buniawa choose Salford over Leeds? Why do these players seem to fall out at Leeds a lot? It seems that Blake Austin had enough to say about them. Aidan Caesar, I don't think, was very happy with the club. Just something about that club that's not a bit like, probably, like you say about Man United, not, not a club I pay much attention to, but, <laughs> you know, in the same way that there's something not right there. You know, and you know there isn't, but nobody can put the finger on what it is. And I think that's the problem with Leeds. And I, I think I think with Croft pulling the strings, and they have got some great players. I mean, Ash Hanley's a, a player that I, I would love to have at Salford. He's a, he scores against us every time. Get your money on that this weekend, by the way. Ash Hanley to score at least once against us. He He's a fantastic player. They have got, they've brought in some good players this year, but I think fifth or sixth will be as, as good as they get this year. Yeah. Let's move on to Lee now, Trevor. Uh, change the name to Le- change the name. The Leopards uh, logo last season won the Challenge Cup. Great season. Can they kick on? Well, still a smallish squad, but mm. the squad had a number of players over the thirty mark, and they've brought in young players like Lewis Brogan from Swinton, of course, Jack Derbyshire, Warrington. But the big signing, Ben McNamara is in there as well. But the big signing, of course, is Matt Moylan from Cronulla Sharks. And his partnership with Lachlan Lamb is going to be key. I mean, Lee's forwards do massive minutes, generally at least 60 before they get a breather. And when you've got Tom Amone, Edwin Apape, Robbie Mulhern, who played out of his skin, those players are all there again this year. That left edge of Lee's where they would go Lamb and then O'Donnell, Latelli and Josh Charlie, devastating. And I think it could be again... And, Everybody's talking second season syndrome, aren't they, Rob? But, you know, in reality, if you're a good side, even through the campaign, you would have thought everybody had gone, we need to stop that left edge. Well, Matt Moylan's going to give them opportunities down that right edge as well, particularly with Lou Telly coming back as a new player almost. And then you got Hardacre on the other side and Tom Briscoe. And, you know, they're a good side that's pretty much the same as last year with key players. John Asiat is outstanding. So, he missed his last six games last year when they fell apart. So I mm-hmm. think they are stronger, but they're a stronger side building for next year as well as this because the younger blokes who have come into the squad, Frankie Atten as well and so on, they're going to be making Lee a better looking squad than they had last year because last year when the squad was injured, the first 13, they struggled. And this year, they at least have 19, I hope. Yeah, you stole me question there with second season <laughs> syndrome. Trevor, what do you <laughs> think? Uh, Parky obviously success last season, but everyone knows what's coming now. Well, what I mean, what story it was last season. Yeah, I mentioned earlier when we went there first game of the season, the atmosphere that night, the the fireworks and the the, the, <laughs> the band and everything. I mean, the whole spectacle. As much as it's not my cup of tea, I'll be honest with you. I mean, roaring leopard noises outside the ground and that kind of thing. It's not really a dope <laughs> oh, it frightened you. What, it frightened what, you, Percy. Come on, it, it frightened you. you. I was outside that Tesco drinking a, a, a coffee. Yeah. No, I, but what an atmosphere and what that's how you do it. That's exactly how you do it. And it, that transferred, I think, as the season went on onto the pitch. I think initially the players may have been taken a little bit by surprise. The speed of Super League, if you've not played it, you know, it can catch you. But after, the, what, the first four, five, six games... Lee were, Lee were magnificent, absolutely brilliant. Um, again, they had a small squad, but they managed to keep most of the players on the park, which is a key. And it is a key for any team. I don't care if you're Wigan or, or whoever you are. If you're losing all your key players, you're not going to do very much. I think it'll be tougher because nobody will be surprised by Lee. 
by the way they played, by the way that Lammy's got them moving about. And Lachlan Lamb was sensational last year, absolutely out, out of this world. And again, like you say, they, they, they've added good players. I think they can make the six again. I don't, I don't see why not. They've got to be, got to be consistent. But when I look at the teams in the league, I think, yeah, I think, I think Lee will make fifth or sixth this season. I think they'll be fighting out down uh, that area again. Like this year, I think they finished about the same position. I, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't this year. Mm. London Broncos promoted to the Super League last season. Going to be a tough journey for them. Trevor, Josh Rock used to be in Salford Reserves, injured, broke his leg mm. in the off-season. Be was a blow for them, Trevor. Well, it is, isn't it? They've not got a big squad and they're already behind the eight ball when they came to the assessment of where they might be with the IMG stakes. But they've got a good young coach in Mike Eccles and there's a certain belief amongst the team. Plus, again, you know, going to London, sides struggle when they go down to London and they did exceptionally well to win the grand final in the championship last season. They came on a late run that took them through and against all the odds they managed to win that one and here again they'll be looking for that momentum to start them again but they've a, they've a tough opener they take on Saints don't they in the opener and you know that's that's a tough one for them I don't expect them to, to win that I don't expect them to win many they'll be hoping that somebody's worse than them really I think to not finish in the bottom, bottom two but personally I'd like to see them stay in Super League because I think the whole concept of Super League needs a team in London a strong team in London, like we need a Catalan. I know that won't suit everybody, but we shouldn't just have 12 teams for my money. We should have 14 or 16. And I know the long-term goal of IMG is for that, but with everybody having a certain standard met. Yeah. Thoughts on that uh, London packer? I, I can't disagree with anything just being said. I think that it's a shame the first game's not at home to give them a big crowd, a big build-up, the big, you know, the, the night out sort of thing before perhaps a bubble burst in, in, in that way. But last year, if last year taught us anything, it's don't take the, the newly promoted team lightly. They're still professional. They have got a good coach, a very, very, a very clever coach. Um, and, and momentum's a big thing in sport. And they finished the season off better than virtually anybody else. Yeah, it was at a lower level, but it's, it's winning, that mentality. And once you win, you keep winning. But I do think they've got an awful start to the season. And they'll, they'll be looking to pick up the odd, the odd win, mainly at home. But I... I I, as much as it, it sort of pains me to say, I cannot see them finishing anywhere but, but bottom of the league, sadly. Mm. We'll have to wait and see with them. Uh, let's move on to St. Helens now. Trevor, you can never write off the Saints. James Roby out, Daryl Clark in. Will it be enough? Well, I don't think they've made many signings since mm-hmm. in that regard. Well, they've got mm-hmm. a great young side, haven't they? And they've got one of the best, if not the best player in Super League, in Jack Wellsby. I know he didn't get... Well, he is the band who really is outstanding in their side, but there's so many others as well. They've lost, like you said, Robin, and they've given him another season, definitely. But Dal Clark, a lot of weight on his shoulders because since he won the Man of Steel a few years back, he's not been the, quite the same player. But here, he's going to get the responsibility, isn't he, to take it forward. Paul Wellens, the fans are giving him time, but if they don't start strongly, the fans will be against Paul, I'm afraid. And he's a great bloke and he deserves to do well because he's time served in every aspect of it so as far as Saints are concerned I think they're going to be in top two I think yeah. they'll still be challenging and I think that they'll have a side that they've had to change take a step back and then rebuild and I think what they've got coming through they're, they're going to be a great side yeah big season for Johnny Lomax as well Parky leading that Saints juggernaut they like to play rugby we'll have to see what happens 
Yeah, well, like you said to start with, you know, everybody says you can't write them off. They just, they're always going to be there, aren't they? They're a great team. Yeah, they, they'll lose something in robes, not just in, in what he did on the park. I mean, as a player, we we spoke about it a lot of times in the last couple of years. As he's what he's just going to be always one of my all-time favourites. I think he, he's just such a special player. But it's his leadership as well. What he brought when he was on the park, what the, the and what he'd give in training, how he'd get the players. You know, they they follow him, and you need people like that in your team. I'm not sure Daryl Clark's that that player, but he's a. He's, Clearly a very talented player in there. He just needs to refine what he had at Cass all that time ago. Maybe Warrington wasn't the right club for him. Certain certain clubs, are, certain players are made for certain clubs, I think. I'm not sure that was for him, but they're still a great team. Their pack is, is immense, really is. They've got some real stars. And then you've still got, if they can keep making Son and Percival fit, Hurrell's still there, people like that. And obviously Wells, but I mean, yeah, Lewis Dodd, but you've just gone forever with them, couldn't you? They'll be in the top two. They'll be as good as, as ever. I just don't know if they'll be strong enough to actually win it this year. Again, another rebuild and give it two or three years and I can see Saints just being back where they were. Mm. Yeah. Let's talk Warrington Wolves now, Trev. The Sam Burgess effects come in as head coach. Good or bad? Who knows oh, it's what good. happened? Oh, it's good, isn't it? It's good for Super League. Everybody's talking about Sam. Our cousins from the other code will be wanting him to fail. Uh, some of them, I'm sure, because they feel he was a failure when he played for England and for Bath, which is a load of rubbish. He's a competitor, he's a winner. And at the uh, Warrington press day, the mood in the camp was, um, well, 100% different, or even more, if you can be more than 100%, than what it had been in previous seasons. They all respect him. He's not on the paddock, and that's where the difference will be. Mm. He will have to leave them in the dressing room and let them go and do what he wants them to do on the field. But certainly, I think they've all bought into his ethos, which is hard work. He's had a word, I believe, with one or two players there and said, look, we don't have any whinging, we don't have any mourning, we just get on with it here. And if you want to do whinging and mourning, then you'll have to move somewhere else, but back it in, that type of stuff. And, you know, look at some of those players who signed Zane Musgrave. He's come from a Musgrove, rather. He's come from a, a little bit of a controversy, but he's a huge forward. And uh, some of the other players they've they've brought in as well. It, I'm really impressed with um, what I saw at Warrington. Will that be enough to make it their year? Well, George Williams is outstanding, isn't he? And he gets got better every year. Steph Ratchford is evergreen. He's younger than Sam Burgess, uh, so, so you know. When you look at that side, Matty Ashton, he's coming. He's all, they've plenty of excitement at Warrington. There's always a great atmosphere, terrific fans. And I think they could well be a top four side this year. Every year is Warrington's year, Trev. You know that. <laughs> uh, Parker, that kind of pressure can build, can't it? As we've seen year in, year out. It's going to be very interesting to watch Warrington this year. I think, for me, when they were looking for a coach, I thought they'd go for someone experienced. Someone to get a real grip of that club and and, and shake it up because the, the promise it's had, the players they've had over the last... I mean, I'll go back 20, 30 years, some of the great signings they've made and never made it to that level. There's something, again, it's one of those clubs that just seems... It just doesn't click. And I think I'd have gone with a more established manager. I think that would have been my key. I'm not, I don't know. Sam might be an absolute genius. He could be the best ever. He could be Wayne Bennett. I don't know. But... He's going to come into a club that's maybe not... He's had his problems. I think discipline-wise, behind the scenes, hasn't always been the best. 
players got in a, in a way of thinking about who they were and what Warrington was. So he's got to change attitudes. I wish him the best, not particularly Warrington, obviously, but the, him personally. <laughs> great, he was a great player, unbelievable player. I'm not sure they'll settle quickly enough. I think it might take them a little bit. And I, I, I think this year is too soon. And I disagree. I think they could miss out on the playoffs. Be to see what it. happens there about obviously Warrington. Uh, moving on to Wigan, Trev. Champions last season, more of the same this season. Well, you can't see much more than that, really. I mean, the signings they brought in, youngsters, Sam Walters, Sam Esser. I mean, they're massive players. I was at their training day, six, six foot five or something like that. And they've got Junior Semmeru, that's about a couple of inches higher than that, taller than them. But they've got a big pack, Paddy Mago, Tyler Dupree. They look really fit, really mean. And then when you look at the two players that have been outstanding in Super League for my money for the last three years or so, Jay Field and, of course, Bevan French. And then you've got Liam Marshall, etc., etc. But, I mean, you look at French and Field, it's a privilege to watch a Wigan side. I know if you're a Salford fan or any other fan, you'll say, I wish they were ours. But it's a privilege to get to watch them because they, believe me, are a long line as far as we're concerned, the, the Ashtons and the Bostons and the Trevor Lakes and whoever else you want to mention as a Wigan fan, these are those players who in time to come will be Hall of Famers and, you know, players of, well, this century for a start, but, you know, could probably fit in any other great Wigan side. So I, I think Wigan, they're going to set, set the yardstick for everybody to follow. Mm. But, of course, they having done it last year, other sides will aspire to, to reach it. So, I don't think they'll have it all their own way, but I think come the end of it all, they'll be in that grand final and I think they'll be hang- looking to hang on the trophy. Thoughts on Wigan Parker? I, I think they'll sweep the board. I think they'll win everything. I've got no, I've looked at that squad and I am amazed. I don't, the only problem they have is how do you fit them in? How do you keep everybody happy? You know, I mean, we mentioned Joe Field there, who I don't know if he's good, where he's going to play. He's going to go fullback, probably not. He's going on the wing. Well, Marshall and Miski are going to be wings. You know, he's not going to go in the set. He's going to play standard. It's an absolute quandary. I mean, he's a great one to have. And they've got a magnificent coach. Let's not forget Matty Pete is a great coach and a, and a fantastic man. I mean, you heard he interviewed. He's such a calm and considered man. He's no ranting, raving. He's no blaming of anybody else. He's, if he gets beat, it's his team and they lost. Yeah. I, I look at Wiggins' pack. I mean, it's going to be so dominant. They've got, I think they've, we, we, I've seen before about ourselves only having, you know, two or three props. I think we're going to got nine that would walk into any Super League team. Well, the, you just look at that and go, that's, it's unrivaled. And I don't see a team touching them this year. I really don't. And growing up, most of my watching of rugby league has been in the 80s and then onwards. Knowing what good Wigan teams look like, I could see this one doing more or less what that one did and dominating for quite a few years because this is a young team as well. So yeah. if you're a Wigan fan, it's, it's massively exciting. Must be. Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying there. You know, when you're asking about who's going to be the halfback, well, Bevan French has got the number six and he played there quite a lot alongside Harry Smith and Jay Field from the back. And like this, Adam Kieran's coming at the centre. Yeah. Toby King's, this, you know, he's gone back to Warrington. So... The back line is, is sensational for Pace on the pack. You know, Ethan Havard, what a player he was. And he was he 21-22. And, you know, it's really, really is a strong look inside. And they could afford to let Sam Powell go. You know, what a stalwart he's been. So, 
it's going to be tough. Yeah. So, so let's move on to the final team. Me and Packy talk about Salford Devils every week uh, and look and think about our, our season. What's to come for us? What do you think is going to happen in 2024 for the Salford Devils? Well, I think that it's going to be a rebuilding phase. It's got to be because you're behind the eight ball. Ligon, if you get this money that you're hoping you'll get, then you just signed, as we said, you've already signed David Noimaloa. And when you look at him, he's a class high. But you need a few more than him, don't you? Because your squad's small, your pack's small, and you'll have Cade Cust and Max Need as half-backs building. But you've got Joe Shorrocks, you've got Joe Meller, class players, and, and we'll get you around the paddock. But you need a, a pack to sort that middle. And I think you've got more signings to come. So for my money, Salford will be consolidation year this year. You know, make sure they kind of challenge somewhere on the fringe of the top six. Don't anywhere near end up in the bottom two and uh, take it from there. I like the way they play. And I think I like the way that everybody plays for Paul Rowley. But I can't see you cracking any cups. Good draw, though. Might get to Wembley. That's what we're hoping for, Parker. I've been wanting that for a long time. <laughs> I think I think for me, yeah, I think we're, we're at least three players short. A couple of props, definitely. I think when you look at look at the pack, you've got Oli Partington and Shorrocks and obviously Cal Watkins, who I don't have to tell you, Rob, how much I love that man. And then you've got Stone and, and Shane Wright coming back. He's massive. It's like a new signing. What a player he is. Underrated is, is, is a word I'd have to use. But it's it's the it's the props that are going to be an issue. I don't think we've got enough size to get us forward at the moment. If we can rectify that as the season goes on, half backs obviously, like say Sneedy is going to be in there. Joe Meller, Cade Cust, Chris Atkin. We're not short there. We're pretty well covered. The hooking role's a bit of an issue. Amir Borough not there yet. We still need a young lad. He's got a lot of developing. So whether we can get somebody in on, on loan or whatever, I don't know. Three quarters. Don't look too bad, but I'd like to see. Obviously, we've just got Nofaluma, but I'd like to see another another wing come in. Just oh, you've got Ethan Ryan. Yeah, Ethan Ryan when he's back fit. Obviously, Dion Cross is there, but I think just just maybe one more because I don't think we're covered in injuries in that way. I think one knock and we we're shuffling players about, and it's never ideal. But I mean, it's amazing what a couple of days can do. My confidence is, is slightly higher than it was, but. I still don't see us finishing outside the bottom three or four. I, I just don't uh, at the moment because, as we found last year, we had players who were on the bench who weren't fit enough to get a game. They were just filling shirts. Can't afford that. Not a Super League. Not now. Every year it gets stronger and stronger. And We need a fully fit squad every week. And with 24 players in a squad, that's that's not going to be happen, happen. So, But you never know. Two or three players come in and I, I could be changing my tune completely. Yeah. So to counter you two, I think we're going to win the lot, hands down. No props. <laughs> That's the way it always right, is. I'll have, a pi- I'll have a pint of what you're having. Wait <laughs> till we get some predictions, Trev. <laughs> one thing in our favour, as far as I'm, I'm concerned, and that's our coach. Mm. I, think he's, I think he's magnificent. I really do. He's got a style of play that sometimes it's, it's not ideal when you, your back's against the wall. You don't want players throwing the ball about, but he'll entertain. And he's committed to it because I don't, I don't think Paul Rowley needs to coach. I don't think he needs to be involved, but he likes it. He wants that day-to-day stuff and he loves his job. And he's a, a real rugby league man. You'll, you'll know, Trev, you'll spoke to him God knows how many times. He just loves rugby league. I think he's our ace in the pack. It's going to be exciting. Super league about to start and we're all buzzing for it. 
let's talk about the weekend games. It's time for the Devil of the So we'll start with the wheelchair team. They are in action this Saturday against York Parker away from home. On what an occasion that's going to be the first game of 2024. Yeah, it should be. I mean, it'll be, it'll be fun to see. I don't know if they're recruiting any more players. Works well, the same guys as last year. I know there's a, a few that we all know of that'll be that'll be involved. But again, it's just that expanding the club, isn't it? That community side of it. And the good thing is, obviously, like we said about the wheelchair thing, you don't actually have to be wheelchair bound to play the sport. It's an it's an extension of rugby league, and it should be a good day out. I mean, if you're going over to York, I mean, I wouldn't mind going over to York for the afternoon. I'll tell you that, but. Mm. <laughs> Not sure it'd be the same motive as everybody else would have. So, but yeah, no, it's good. It's good that the back up and running. Hopefully, they can get regular fixtures again. Like I've said about the women's game, having things put in in place and and ready, and people can know about them, go along and watch. I, you know, we don't know where they play. We don't know where they're gonna, you know. But that's that's to be sorted. But no, I'll, I'll, you know, I wish them all the best, and they're representing the club. They get to put the badge on, and that's that means a lot to anyone, doesn't it? Yeah. If you want to go and watch, uh, they're playing at the Mount School in York. The postcode is Y0241EJ. It's a 1.30 kickoff. Obviously, coaches Dave Abel and Heather Robinson, Trevor, looking to, to build a competitive squad. Obviously, we talked about how, uh, you know, the excitement behind uh, Wheelchair Rugby League nationally. And it's great that Salford have a team now representing the club. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, and, and I take my hat off to anybody who plays wheelchair rugby league. It's so physical, it's brutal at times, and yet they get up there and some amazing skills. Um, like most people, I watched the World Cup uh, final and I watched the, the World Championship where they became world uh, champions, of course, uh, the England wheelchair team. Wow, it's amazing. Anybody who plays that, uh, anybody who gets in it, and I know there's been a real response everybody's uh, lots of people want to get involved and of course you don't have to actually be in a wheelchair to play wheelchair rugby uh, it's just that that's the what, what they're playing so you can all have a crack at it and i know park is putting his name down for that as soon as he can so good luck but no wheelchair rugby is fantastic and the venues and the people watching it, it it's just all good for the game the more and more people get involved in physical sport rather than sitting and watching an armchair is fantastic and that's what we need yeah so good luck to our wheelchair team on Saturday. Uh, let's talk about Paul Rowley's team. Friday night, Leeds away, uh, Parker, going to be difficult. Headingley, graveyard. I think there's only saying telling that we've got a worse record these days, isn't there? Uh, and, and over history, our record at Leeds is horrific. Yeah, opening night, big crowd on, Leeds new signings, the, the place buzzing. Um, it'll be tough. It'll be a real tough game. It's not, it's not ideal, but you got to play everybody at some point. So I'm going there with a little bit of confidence. I don't, I don't expect to win. I'll be honest, but a performance start the year off well, build for, for the week after for the cast game for me. But I'm, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think it'll be, a, I think it'll be a decent game. I just hope the referee stays strong. Obviously, it's on Sky, so we, the decisions will be scrutinised anyway but yeah it should, it should be a, should be a good night I reckon the atmosphere will be absolutely rocking yeah no problems Trevor's got a go it's been fantastic having you on Trevor on the show we've been great talking all Super League and Rock Sulphur Devils 
Well, no, I've really enjoyed it. Thanks very much indeed. I know it's Valentine's Day. Well, I'm leaving you to go to a Valentine's Day massacre because <laughs> I think we missed the pub. Uh, but anyway, thanks very much for having me on. Best of luck and uh, what a great what a great podcast. Best of luck with all your listening figures. See you soon, Rob. See you soon, Parky. Cheers. Cheers, Trevor. Cheers, Trevor. Thanks for coming on. Brilliant stuff. Parky, obviously, the return, well, obviously, we're playing against Leeds, which means Brodie Croft and the Ackers yeah. back to haunt yeah. us. Uh, we've got a small squad. Paul Rowley talks about us being undercooked going into this season. No King V. But positives. Our back's against the wall. We are the unknown, only obviously playing one. Uh, game, you know, this season, one pre-season friendly, and we all know what Henley's like uh, mm-hmm. when the things aren't going their way. Crowd might turn. All that might be in our favour uh, come Friday. I think I think there's a lot a lot can go wrong for Leeds. We, we've got, there's no risk for us. Nobody expects, nobody in rugby league, I don't think, except the overly optimistic Salford fan, expects us to go to Henningley on Friday night and win. Nobody outside Salford would think that. All the pressure's on Leeds. To, to entertain. And like you said earlier about Leeds last season, it was a horror season again. That's two two on the bounce. They can't afford another one. So they need to get off to a good start. They need to... Uh, and probably put on a performance. I, I just hope that Brody has an absolute stinker for once. Because <laughs> uh, if he doesn't, it'll be a real pain in the backside. But well, we know about him. We know Brody Croft. Paul Rowley will study Brody Croft. He knows Andy Eckers. So... Maybe we can nullify him in that way. I don't know. It'll be it'll be so tough. I'm not I'm not as you know, I'm not as rose tinted as to think we can go there and just, you know, walk in their place and win. But who knows? We stranger things have happened. It's the opening night of the season. Nobody some teams don't start well. I said it on that pop up pod about certain other clubs that some get off to a flying start every year and fade. Some never do. I think Hull are one of them, Warrington are one of them, they get get off to great starts and then all of a sudden just fall apart so who knows but don't write us off by any means but it'll be very very tough to go to Headingley and get anything yeah if you listen to the latest pop-up Paul Rowley has a plan to steal Brodie Croft's peanut butter sandwiches to throw him off his game it's all mind games he denied it but I saw the twinkle in his eyes so I think that it might be might be something in that so we'll have to wait and see what happens with that Parker score predictions obviously a difficult place to go heading like you said Bit of a gra- graveyard for us, but won there last season. Yeah, we've, I mean, recent, I say recent times, but certainly in, in terms of history of Salford in recent times, we've not done that bad there. We've had a couple of uh, unlucky ones as well where we could have could have got something out of the game and, and didn't, the you know, decision didn't go our way or whatever else. But yeah, I, don't, I, think, I think we can, if we can keep it tight for long enough, we'll be all right, but we might just run out of steam a little bit towards the end. I've I've gone with a Leeds twenty two Salford eight twenty two points to eight. Yeah, defeat. Yeah, sadly. Mm. Obviously, it will be tough. It's interesting that Paul Rowley has brought in uh, Nathan Connell from the Red Devils Foundation development squad. Played quite well against Saints on on last week. Last week's friendly. He's been included in the squad, talks about in the pop-up how he's there to experience the professional atmosphere and he thinks that he's got something which is exciting. It also shows that, like I said before, we are the Opportunity Club and even though it's not a real pathway because we don't have a full-time sort of academy set up, we have these processes in place that if you are good enough, you will be 
put into that first team squad to experience what it's all about. And I think that's the way it's got to be. I think this is what I was saying earlier about this season being a, a kind of, I don't it's a free hit for us in many ways. And we can give these lads a chance at, at times. There isn't, we're not going to get relegated. Yeah, we don't want to finish bottom. Of course we don't. And we do want to be competitive and we do want to have a goal. But if, if it means that one or two of these young lads get a shot, which will make them better for next year, the year after, the year after, that's only great for the club. And what it will do is show that lads from other clubs, other academies, or who are thinking, who do I sign for? Which is my way to get into a first team? How, mm. how quick am I going to progress through these teams? Am I going to do it at Wigan, Saint, Warrington? I don't, I don't think so. Not with the team they've got. Salford, Paul Rowley have already shown that if you're good enough, you're old enough, you'll be in. Mm. And I think it's a massive pat on the back for the lad as well for all the hard work he's put in. If he gets a game or not, to be involved in a match day squad on an opening day of the season is is a is a massive thing for him. And yeah, I, I think it's it's a, it's a great way to show that the pathway works. Yeah. My prediction for the game against Leeds, Henley Crowd will get on Leeds back and Salford will come away victorious against the odds. Final score, Leeds 10, Salford 26. And they'll be dancing in the streets of Headley on the way back to the M62. Uh, there'll be more than that, I think. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, just, I just hope it's a good night. We put the, the performance is there and we come away, fingers crossed, with no injuries because we can't afford that or, or suspensions or anything like that. Let's just get the game, get it on. Let's let's see what we can do. And, and we've got a build for this season. Like I say, new players will probably come in now and make us stronger as the season goes on. So this is just that first... First couple of stepping stones to get out of the way, but yeah, it'd be nice to get up to a good start, wouldn't it? And then, like I say, we've got Cass at home the week after, which we've got a target. So, mm. you, you never know. Rugby League is a funny game and anything can happen. And it only takes the odd error, drop ball, anything like that, and the game concerns. So, yeah, just, just good luck to the lads. It's good. It's just good to have them back. Yeah. So, that's the end of this week's show. Fantastic show. Trevor Hunt, superb. Parking, great talking about all the Rugby League, the Super League and Sulphur Red Devils, all the big stories that have broke uh, this week. It's been an honour and a pleasure to to talk about and share it with our listeners. Yeah, without a doubt, it's been a, it's great. I mean, Trev, having him on, he's a real honour. He is a broadcasting legend, like you said, and somebody I've got a lot of respect for. He knows he's Rugby League, he's a proper Rugby League man. And yeah, it was good to have him on and hear his opinions on things. Uh, and it, it, it just shows what is out there, who out, who's out there to talk to. And uh, I think we've got bigger things to, to to come as well, haven't we? Yeah. So big thanks for joining us on this Devil in the Detail podcast. I'm Rob Parkinson. You can find us on X at D-I-T-D-S-R-D. You can find us on Facebook at Devil in the Detail S-R-D. You can find us on SoundCloud, SoundCloud iTunes, Radio Contact and Spotify. And we'll see you soon for more Soul for a Devil's Chat. Good luck, Reds. We'll see you on the other side.